Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there. Welcome to this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Ricky Wilson here. And I'm Gabby Roslin. We've had a cracking time sitting in for Chris this week with tons of great guests for you to enjoy. Actor, comedian and co-creator of The Office, Stephen Merchant gives us the lowdown about his six-part comedy crime thriller, The Outlaws. English cricketing legend Freddie Flintoff provides pearls of wisdom in his brand new novel, The Book of Fred. Award-winning comedian Paul Chowdhury lifts the lid on hitting the road with his new 23-date tour, Family Friendly Comedian. And the awesome acting chops of Danny Mays lifts the surgical lid on the second series of Temple on Sky Max. All of that and so much more to come. Dapper Dave, do tell us who's up first. It's a good rule of thumb that if our next guest is involved in something, it's going to be funny. And we've got the proof. His new comedy thriller, The Outlaws, starts tonight at 9pm on BBC One. So if you've ever wondered how to convince Christopher Walken to be in your show, listen up to the very persuasive Stephen Merchant! Oh, (laughs) do you know what? I I fangled when you came in, not about you. I'm afraid it was about this show, The Outlaws. I've been talking about it since I had the secret link. Stephen Merchant, congratulations. Thank you so much, Gabby. It's lovely to hear. It's very nice because you spend so long working on these things in a kind of vacuum so the idea that people might actually one day see it and enjoy it is uh, is a real thrill but you've i know that you've recorded you've already got in the can two seasons yes so i am that person that's chomping at the bit and i want them all now because that's how much i loved it it's brilliantly written the characters you know them intimately so quickly and the actors what a cast Terrific. as well. Yes, yes, young and old, new bl- new blood, and, you know, so obviously some old household names uh, in the form of uh, Mr Christopher Walken. Yes, uh, how, Christopher Walken in Bristol, yes. wandering <laughs> around through the streets. How on earth did you get him? Gabby, he's been a long-time fan of the merch. Um, no, let's be honest, he didn't have any idea who I was. But um, he, uh, we, we wanted this, we wanted this idea of a kind of a big sort of iconic star like that that sort of is dropped into Bristol, like you say, a very unexpected, you know, clash of cultures, almost like a sort of man who fell to earth. And um, and Walken was top of the list, but he's quite hard to, to get in touch with because he doesn't have he doesn't have a mobile phone or a computer, email, anything. We ended up faxing him the script. No, oh, not yeah. a real fax. A real fax machine. He does have a fax. He likes to facts but, and um, no, hold on a minute okay yes. so you, you you dust off a fax machine dust off an old bbc fax machine yeah how did you find out i mean you what you just knew christopher walken's fax number yeah, you can find that easily enough oh. yeah that's that's easy to find oh, on the okay. internet yeah uh no i think we must have got it from uh, some kind of representative and yeah we sent in the script and i got another i got a fax back you know just sat there in front of the machine <laughs> waiting day and day is he gonna read it would you come to Connecticut in America and talk about the show? Oh, no! Yes, so I I flew to New York, drove up to his house in Connecticut, and it's a sort of, it's a kind of house sort of out in the woods, kind of like almost like a log cabin, it was quite creepy. I was sort of driving up to it thinking, who oh, lives here? Is it Hansel and Gretel or the Unabomber? But no, it was it was Chris Walken. He opened the door, and he's quite a quiet man. He's very reflective, thoughtful guy, not a big talker. Mm. And just so I came in there, the first thing he said to me, I wish I could do an impression of Walken, but he said, um, would you like some? of this omelette. And he just made an omelette. And I'd just eaten a giant hotel breakfast. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm good for omelette. Thanks, Chris. And we sat there. 
and we talked and he, like I say he's very quiet and considered so he'd ask me a question I'd give him an answer he'd just go quiet stare out the window then I'd ask another question go quiet and it was just like that for ages. It was like having a it was like having a Zoom conversation in person. You know what I mean? You never knew if he was kind of thinking or buffering. Yes. And eventually, uh, we've, I've been, been I was there about four hours. And hour three, I was absolutely famished. I said, "Is there any of that omelette left?" And he was very pleased that I'd asked for it. And he sort of served it up. And we talked a bit more. And yeah, and he said, "Yeah, I'll come to Bristol and do the show." And um, and he showed up, and it was just extraordinary. So you got him, which is great. Yes. And then was it a bit like because I've sometimes invited people to a party, and then you invite them, not expect them to say. Yes, and then they say yes, and they turn up, and you feel like oh, I've got to look after them now. Well, it was that of course I was quite happy. I had promised. I mean, I, he had said to me, "What's Bristol like?" And I had said, "Well, it's very hilly, and it's on the water, and it has a big suspension bridge. It's exactly like San Francisco." <laughs> and uh, and then he came, and of course it was we were filming during lockdown, so I right. couldn't show him anywhere. I couldn't take him out, so we just sort of had to ferry him from his hotel, and then back to the set, and then back again. So I never had a chance really to sort of hang out with him. And, but- and were the points? I don't want to give away too much. No spoilers. But were the points where there were certain jokes? in the script that you suddenly thought oh gosh Christopher Wong's going to see this joke and not understand the reference to 90s children's television well there was a line where we had to say uh, you'll be like me working down Tesco and I thought he's not going to say that he's not going to know what work like working down Tesco it's such a specific yeah, way yeah. of saying it and I said like, I could, I'd like to give you an alternate line here he went no I, I like the, I'm happy to say this so um, you know he was he was quite kind of keen I think to embrace the the little sort of Bristol and British elements because I think he liked the idea that the character had been in England for a long time and so mm. you know he, I started trying to write kind of New York dialogue and then he was like don't don't do that let me do the New York you just you just write the script now for people who haven't seen any of the trails. Um, it's, so it's called The Outlaws. It starts tonight at nine o'clock. It's better than me explaining because I'll just start screaming because I'm so excited about it. Can you explain to everybody what it's about? The idea is that seven complete strangers have uh, done various crimes and have ended up, instead of going to prison, ended up doing community service, renovating a building. And as they uh, get to know each other and sort of new friendships and relationships are born, so they also get slowly drawn into a kind of criminal conspiracy that's sort of happening in Bristol behind the scenes. And you're thinking, well, Bristol's not the obvious place to set a thriller. But I will have you know that in 2019, Bristol was voted the cocaine capital of Europe. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. We're very got, proud of that. Got, got <laughs> yeah. not much to say about that on Breakfast I, no, Radio. No, no. It's. I mean, you know, there is a crime. I'm sad, sad to say there is a crime underbelly to Bristol, which we have tapped into. But do you know what's so incredible about the all the characters that we, as I said at the beginning, we know their backstories very quickly, but you don't. So you, you're digging more and more and more. And there is, and I'm not going to give anything away, but there's, there's this feeling of loneliness and yes. there's obviously father issues and things going on I don't I'm not going to say any more than that all drawn from real life but, <laughs> but they just it, it's done so quickly we don't it's you haven't built up to this you don't need a whole big built up to get to know the characters it, it, you just know them instantly well one of the the I mean we actually started filming this uh, last year February and we'd got about 10 days in and then of course like so many other things mm. uh, the lockdown forced us to stop and we were only scheduled to do one uh, one series and then while we were in lockdown I said look I'm just twiddling my thumbs here can you let me write a second series and then when we do come back I can do two at once two, two series back to back and so the BBC said yeah okay do that but of course uh, it turned out that was incredibly hard work because yeah. to do one series during lockdown is tough but to do two to make 12 hours of TV while you're all wearing face 
face masks and your social distancing and things and you're trying you're so terrified that 78 year old Christopher Walken might catch Covid on your watch yeah. that it made the whole thing incredibly stressful but what it did allow is us to sort of think well okay we, we can sort of plan ahead you know we can kind of seed things in that first series that we can pay off in the second series that you wouldn't necessarily have a chance to right. do if you had to do them separately so I, As I said and no word of a lie I've been um, shouting from the rooftops about this I think it's brilliant I think it's funny you can watch it tonight on BBC One via your Sky Q and congratulations and you really are a nice guy no, oh I appreciate it thank you guys <laughs> good thank you so much thank you Stephen the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio whether it's cricket or telly our next guest can do it all and his latest release is yet another string to the bow the book of Fred is out today so here with more is a man that hits it for six no matter what he's doing it's the wonderful Freddie Flintoff oh yeah morning Freddie good morning oh how lovely to talk to you um, we feel you know we know you so well now reading your book and watching the documentary I watched it again last night do you know what Freddie it it really the, between the two of these we really know you now you're so honest yeah and- yeah, I suppose I am, and then the book's come out. I think it's out today, isn't it? It is out today. Um, I can confirm. Thank you, Rikir. It's um, <laughs> it's a broad it's a broad spectrum of subjects. You know, you mentioned documentary, like the Believer. It talks about that and mental health to things like having dinner with Elton John and Desmond Tutu. So yeah. it's um, it's a real broad subject of stuff. Well, you've led an extraordinary life. You're an incredible cricketer, and then you were. You've been thrust into the world of celebrity, which must have been weird, meeting all these people, like, you know, as you say, Elton John, Bruce Forsyth, Lee Ryan from Blue. You've met them all. Yeah, that was a big day, that one, Lee Ryan from Blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but it has, all, all I ever wanted to be growing up was a cricketer. Um, I managed to do that professionally for 15 or 16 years, retired at 31, and then thrust into this TV world, which was never a plan. I just stumbled into it. And it's amazing what you find yourself doing. I did a song with you, Ricky. Do you remember that song? We I did? do. I did. Ra, ra, Rasputin. We did. We did. Tell me, come on, what? We did a song together to, you know, obviously to inspire the England football team to go and win a cup of some sort. And uh, we did. Uh, I tell you what, it didn't do that well, but we both got a pair of nice jackets out of it, didn't we? Yeah, no, no. Did a bit of work to house on it as well, so it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> but the book, the book is incredible because it does, like I said, it does give us even more of an insight into you. And there's, you know, the, the lovely stories of how you got Romesh for League of Their Own because you, a member of your family knew him. Is yeah, that, so yeah. With, yeah, with Romesh, because we had obviously League of Their Own, we got all the comedians on and a few years ago. Um, you know, Romesh was, was knocking about, but he worked in the sunglass at Gatwick Airport with me brother-in-law. He said, get him on. So I, I got him on. I didn't really know who he was, but it turned out he was really funny. Um, and I get on really well with Romesh now. We're really close. And every time you turn the TV on, he, he's on it, isn't he? He's got Ranganesh and the stuff of his mum. He's doing 15 to 1, League of the Road. You, you can't stop him. Okay, you can't stop him. And I don't want to stop no, him. No, don't. Yeah, don't uh, stop him. No. But, but the thing is, you, so you retired, you know, relatively young, like in your 30s. And then you go to yourself, what do I do now? And that must happen to a lot of sports stars. Where it's like, what do I do with the remainder of my time? And I think the beauty of it was you, you just, you've thrown yourself into doing anything and everything. And it's, but it's all worked out. It's been brilliant, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I think some of it's worked out. Not everything that I've done. Well, Rara, um, Rara Rasputin with me didn't work out, but you know, it was... Uh, top Gear, I think that's pretty much worked out, let's be honest. Yeah, that, that's that's bizarre, isn't it? Because you, you grow up and you watch Top Gear and you see like Clarkson and Mayhem and doing it and... It's a job, and I love cars. 
you dream about doing, never do you think you'd be doing it. Um, and I still, I still find it strange. I, I do it to be honest with you. Well, the secret to your success to me seems to be just honesty. You put it all out there, and you don't mind being who you are, and you don't have a, you don't have a, you know, cover story. It's just you, and that, and, and I think yeah. that that people like you, and that's that sells you to them, and that's why we like seeing you yeah. on our TVs. Well, yeah, I, I think that's, I don't know if that's happened as I've got older because when you're playing sport, you're always trying to not give anything away and you give a persona of someone sometimes you're not. And then since retirement, mm. you know what, you just... It's a relief, you isn't it? Live, Yeah, you live with yourself a little bit more and you accept your failings. And the, the book, I suppose, is about lessons that I've learned through my life. It's not preachy or telling people to do this, do that. I hate them things. Oh, it's not um, preachy at all. It's not preachy at all. It really isn't. But also you talk no. about, in the documentary, and you talk about, and in the book, of course, you talk about Freddie and Andrew and that yeah. they're sort of, they're two different things. And again, I'm going to go back to the documentary. I know you won awards for it. I mean, it was an extraordinary uh, documentary. Uh, people can catch up with that, of course, on Sky. But it, uh, it's just, it is incredible. Um, but I felt at the end of it, I wanted to know how you're doing. So if you don't mind if we come back, because at the very end, we see you exercising madly. And it was four months after you first started talking about um, your your binge eating and your purging. Yeah. And how, how has it been since the end of that documentary? But it, it's, it's been good, actually. Um, you know, through the documentary, I learned a lot of things about myself and about bulimia. Um, and one of the things was I thought bulimia was the act of being sick. And it wasn't. It's more the relationship with food. Um, you know, an excessive training is a form of bulimia. And I think during lockdown, possibly the first time around, I was guilty of that a little bit. Um, and I'd sort of look at it. But you know what? I, from where I was, I think the documentary helped me more than I thought it would do. Um, I learned a lot of things about myself. Um, being quite, being really open about it was a weight off my shoulders and all was good. Yeah. Thank you. No, well, congratulations on it. And also the thing is you would have helped so many people by doing that documentary. You know, that's the thing. As you say, it really helped you, but you would have helped mm -hmm. others as well. But this book, you've also got, you know, you talk about the cricket. And uh, so many people will still, that's what they still, they're in absolute awe of how you play cricket. You know, winning the Ashes and... and Oh, I mean, goodness me. I don't know much about cricket, but I watch you playing cricket and I go, that's a cricketer. Now that's how you play. A proper all-rounder. Yeah, I, 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 used to, I used to love it. I really did. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, that's what I wanted to do. And I got paid for playing, I think, the first time when I was 15. I got 60 quid for playing for Lancashire. And <laughs> I, didn't know you got, I didn't know you got paid. It was like, honestly, I just thought it was something you did. And I thought, honestly, you got paid. This is, this is even better. Um... And yeah, I suppose when I retire, you lose a bit of your identity and I miss it. But my boys play, so I'm just around cricket all the time, watching them, taking them to matches and falling back in love with it. Thank you for speaking to us this no. morning. And congratulations on your book and everything that you do. You're a, one of the good guys. Thank you very much, Freddie Flintoff. Thanks, Gabby. Thank Thanks, you. Ricky. This Thanks one's so for much. you. It's your favourite 80s song. It's gold. It's my That's it. Well, yeah, I love it. <laughs> The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. The magnificence of our next guest comedy is matched only by the magnificence of his beard. His new tour, family-friendly comedian No Children, is alive and kicking across the UK right now and here to tell us more is a stand-up that needs no parental guidance. It's Paul Chowdhury! Hello, Paul. Come in, Paul. Where about to you Paul. in the world? Thanks very much, guys. What an honour it is to be here this morning. Well, it's lovely to speak to you because you literally have just arrived home from Birmingham and we're hearing great things about last night's gig. Yeah, it was a great show last night at the Symphony Hall in Birmingham. 
historic venue up there. I've played multiple times where they filmed the Royal Philharmonic Orchestras for the BBC, and that was where the show was. And uh, we, so we had texts this morning, people saying that they loved last night, but have, li- have you literally just got back from Birmingham? Yeah, I've literally just walked in through the door and, uh, you know, you're the first guys I speak to. Oh, you must sorry be exhausted. About sorry about that, Paul. You need a, you nah, need it's, a... it's an honour, you know, this is what it's been building up to. <laughs> Your whole life has been building to this moment. Yeah, so because... you're back on tour. How's it feel after all the non-touring that was enforced on you? Well, how did it feel? It was, uh, it was difficult. It wasn't easy for anyone and this industry was hit the hardest. Mm. Theatre and stage was derelict. And we thought we were recession-proof, actually. We could get through any recession or financial crisis. But when it came to this, we were done. And then all of a sudden, things moved to Zoom, plays, theatre, um, stand-up comedy. But it doesn't have the same effect, really, over over Zoom, does it? Nah. So my favourite joke, actually, over Zoom, I'll, I'll, I'll do it to you. It's, it's, okay. It is family-friendly, the joke. So Thank the God. joke, it, it was... Uh, it, it, it's, uh, oh, yeah. Trump. Very nice, thank That's you very Trump. much. I like it. But you didn't have to do all of them on Zoom, though. Come on, Paul. You actually went to, to somebody's house, didn't you? You got this oh, yeah, extraordinary yeah. gig in Leamington Spa. Yeah, I told that story on the Russell Howard show. Yeah, um, but we need the story. We need the story again. Don't, don't tell it with so many explicit Yes. <laughs> well, that was clean as well. But yes. there were, yeah, there were a couple of things in there. But, yeah, um, people, uh, you know, there were, there were some relaxations during the the time and then I got called to someone's house and I thought this is going to be a, a stage set up or they'll have something in their garden which um, you know I can perform on it was actually just the living room in front of the TV with children and grandparents running around and children. And, mm. and children that must and, cut a huge portion out of your act <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually it's a child friendly act now I'm a family friendly comedian I've heard as is the name of your uh, of your tour which you are knee deep in at the moment yeah, and um, today I'm on this show with mm. Frankie Dottori. Uh, yeah, classic. I haven't, I haven't worked with him since 1998. This is the last last time I worked with Frankie Dottori. He was on Noel's house party. <laughs> they did a gotcha. I don't know if you remember that show. Yeah, I, I do remember it. I, I went to the studio to watch it once. Yeah, and I was uh, an extra in his in his prank where he was doing a radio thing and Noel Edmonds walked in and surprised Frankie Dottori and it was like a spoof a radio interview and then today I'm on the radio with him for real. So How you, cool you've that? been you've been cracking your way into showbiz for quite some time. Do you do you feel like you've made it? Well, you know, you never feel like you've made it. Uh, I've done you know a few big things now. I was in yeah. Cruella with Yeah, exactly. Hello. What do you mean yeah, big yeah, things? Yeah, 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 but this That's is so big. this is this is mirroring what Frankie says. You're always thinking about the next thing. Yeah, exactly. You're just thinking we're all self employed. We're yeah. contractors as such. So we just look for the next job and uh, carry on working. You never think I've made it and I can relax. Well, now. you can celebrate though. Come on, you know, Cruella, gr- what a good film! I love that. Also, you were with Patrick Dempsey in um, uh, Devils as well. Yeah, I just um, I did ten episodes of season one. I'm a regular in Devils with Patrick Dempsey, which is a Sky drama. I just wrapped on season two, directed what? by Nick Coran, who did Sherlock and Doctor Who. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I was in. I did The Cleaner with Greg Davies and Helena Bonham Carter. That was on last month so um you're just doing yeah it's, it's, we're celebrating all of these things actually devils is coming back isn't it to sky uh, atlantic soon as you say you've just finished fe- season two yeah february 2022 that fantastic and of course taskmaster yeah i was in yeah i was in season three of taskmaster in 2016 and one of the best series i mean oh, thanks, it, i mean it does get better but you were uh, you it was one of the funniest 
<laughs> he says all the right things. He really does. That's right. Also, your your podcast. There's a lot of love coming in for your podcast as well, the Paul Chowdhury podcast. Um, and you've been do you you speak to fantastic people. You've got a yeah. new you've got a new series of that coming out as well, haven't uh, you? Actually, just re- uh, launched yesterday, season two of the of the podcast. It's um, we did twenty episodes of season one, and season two was launched yesterday with Greg Davis. The taskmaster himself. Love Greg. Um, you're, so the tour, family, friend, and comedian, no children. Uh, give us. Uh, I, I want to plug it as much as we can. So we'll just keep saying family, friendly comedian, no children. Uh, why is it called that? Well, it's actually just called family, friendly comedian. The small print is as a joke, no children. That was, uh, uh, it's can, just I, can, can I can I bring children? Or is that? Yeah, I mean, it depends how old the children are. As long as the children are over twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's over 14, but like most theatres. But people, I think I play to such a wide range of ages mm. and races, and it's such a such an open audience. And it tended people tended to bring their children along to my show, so I just call it family friendly comedian. And also in this current age of cancel climate, mm. where where we're one joke away from being cancelled, um, it's uh, an interesting place to be as a comedian. So I've decided to cancel my old Paul Chowdhury. I've cancelled him. I'm the new Paul Chowdhury, the family-friendly do, one. Does it ever shock you when your audience changes like that? Because, you, you know, did you ever set out to be as, as broad with your audience as possible? Or, or did you think you were quite niche and it came as a surprise? Because I sometimes think if you, if you aim it at as many people as possible, it doesn't really stick. But if you kind of like stay to your, you know, true to yourself, then people just get it. Have you found that? Yeah, um, it was like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. The Beatles were family friendly and the mm. Rolling Stones weren't. And uh, they didn't go out to, to, to set that agenda, but I just went out to do comedy and it just tended to be those people I resonated with and came to the shows. And it's quite... I mean, comedy is subjective, isn't it? It's mm. just like music. So, but the fact that so many ages come out to see me is incredible. So uh, I, I played with that. That's why, uh, that's why I was to be Freddie and the Dreamers. It's worked for me. <laughs> Paul, you're, you're going to be uh, touring until the 16th of December in Nottingham. So many places in between from Bradford, Northampton. I've just pulled out a few there. If you want to get tickets, go to paulchowdry.com. Paul, break a leg, have fun on the thank tour you. and thank you so much for, uh, for joining us this morning. Good to you speak in. to you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's a human quality stamp on pretty much anything he's in, and tomorrow night is no exception. The new season of Temple starts on Sky Max at 9pm tomorrow, and here to tell us all about it is an actor that's put in the underground work and is now reaping the rewards. It's the proper geezer, Danny May! Yes, yes, yes. I'm loving that over-the-top introduction. <laughs> you love it. Uh, Danny, we love you. Just love you with the capital big huge L uh, Temple and I've been going on and on about this all she week she won't shut up about no. it Danny it's getting annoying season two oh, could Gabby, it, I'll pay you later oh <laughs> no listen it's even better and I thought season one couldn't get better episode one of season two is yes fantastic yeah, well, we ended season one on that sort of huge cliffhanger, didn't we? There was that big shootout down in the bunker, and then le- literally, like, the last frame of season one was uh, Mark Strong's wife, uh, Beth, opening her eyes, So, and then it just cut. So, listen, we've taken all of the best bits of season one and just sort of ramped them up 100%. And um, I think you're right, Gabby. I mean, I'm speaking from the heart. I think it's a, a much bigger, bolder 
better season two. It's, it's we're really thrilled with it, and it's been a long time coming. So we just can't wait for the audience to get on board with it now. And uh, your double act with Mark Strong is superb because you are polar opposites, aren't you, in, in the show? Yeah, the characters are polar opposites. Uh, Mark plays a high-flying uh, London surgeon, and I'm a kind of doomsday prepper. So they are, <laughs> they're literally poles apart, but as you see in their relationship, they're completely codependent on one another because they've entered in, into this kind of, you know, shady kind of relationship doing these... Uh, uh, opera- medical operations in a bunker underneath Temple Tube Station. It sounds like a completely bonkers show to describe, and it is. But that's the thing I love about Temple is that you can't literally put it in a box. And um, there's so much going on with it, and there's so many twists and turns. And I think, seriously, this season doesn't disappoint. But it's also funny. So it is a thriller. Yes. But, but there is a, a scene in episode one, I'm not giving anything away, with a policewoman <laughs> that I was properly... <laughs> laughing out loud. I mean, this is the most surreal scene ever. Yeah, I mean, we have that sort of dark humour runs all the way through Temple. I think that's the reason why I love making it as well, as well as all the twists and turns and all of the character development. You do have this um, comedy in it. And, I mean, I guess my character, Lee, brings a lot of that to Mm -hmm. the table, really. Um, It's just all there in the writing and... um, yeah, it's just a wonderful thing to be part of. But also, you put on your uh, social media, I think it was last night, on your Instagram, the pictures of the, the behind-the-scenes pictures of all of the underground um, tunnels that yeah. you were filming in. But And you were able to do this because this was in lockdown, so the roads were empty. But those are real tunnels that you film in. They're not just made up in a studio, aren't they? Oh, no, no. I mean, the thing I love about working on the show is you get to see all these kind of secret tunnels and disused train stations beneath the city of London. I mean, you'd never get access to those places. And in actual fact, in lockdown, I mean, one of the only sort of advantages, I guess, of COVID was the fact that we were able to gain access to all these places. So there's kind of like an underground tram station in Holborn, we went to the London Underground building that you'd never get in there. We actually shot inside Bar Italia in the middle of Soho, which you, like, you'd never get in there. It's always ram-packed, isn't it? And uh, like Soho was completely deserted. It was quite an eerie thing to sort of shoot on that day. But, um, yeah, the locations... I mean, the great thing about this season is, you know, season one was like the bunker was all the place of sanctity and safety, and literally we spun that on the head. And season two is like the sort of place of danger. Do you know what I mean? And sort of it's the, the series has so much more expanse. The cinematography is to die for. And it's just kind of like it's breathing a little bit more and up there on sort of street level. So um, it all plays out up there. Yeah. I love it when actors talk so passionately about a project they're doing. It really because you, you sound like you've thrown yourself into it and you sound like you really love it. And it comes across. And, uh, you know, Gabby's been talking about it loads. And I'm invested oh, thank now. You, Richard. I'm, in, I'm invested now. So it's, it's great to hear an actor talk like that about a show. Is there anything else on the way that you feel this, this passionate about? Oh, I've, I've been. I've had a busy year. I mean, I shot a Christmas have. movie for Amazon called um, "Your Christmas or Mine," but that sadly you'll have to wait till next Christmas. Oh, what? Um, I know it's ridiculous. It's the only drawback of that job. Um, I've literally just filmed an episode of Inside Number Nine, which I'm oh, buzzing about. Oh, it's just the. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd shot with um, Steve Pemberton like a few times, and I kept saying to him, "When are you going to get me in the show?" I kept twisting his arm, and true to his word, he put me in there along with Reece Shearsmith. So um, that was just an absolute joy to film because I, I loved the writing on that show and 
those two are absolutely phenomenal actors. So, um, yeah, that will be in the pipeline coming up quite soon next year. And more Code 404? Well, I don't, it's not official yet, Gabby. Oh. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah. The audiences love it and the ratings are great. So uh, hopefully of there'll be an there announcement be. on that very soon. Oh, that means God, there like, is. That, that was, that's the world's worst kept secret. Right <laughs> yeah, there, yeah of course there is. Of course, it goes without saying. But, but every yeah. single time I talk to you, I've, you've, now you're going to get into trouble, aren't you? Stephen Graham's no, going to well, ring you yeah. up and go, what did you just do? Oh, I wouldn't want him after me. No, Stephen Graham's No, no, puppy. no one wants that. He's a puppy. Uh, Temple, <laughs> Temple season two, everybody has to watch it because it's it's properly brilliant. You and Mark Strong, I know Mark also produces it. It's, it's filmatic, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. I am such a super fan of this show. Oh, thank you. It's ridiculous. Um, congratulations on it, Danny, as always. You are just a joy of a man. Thank you very much, Danny Mays. Thank you, Danny. Gabby, Ricky. Have a lovely day. All the best. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Gabby Roslin and Ricky Wilson here with you in for Chris on the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. We've heard from a handful of sensational guests already. But still to come. Bake Off 2015 winner Nadia Hussain makes our mouths water with her brand new cookbook, Nadia's Fast Flavours, and BBC Two show of the same name. Lead singer of Reef Gary Stringer helps us dust off the cobwebs with the band's new single, Shoot Me a Race. World-class jockey Frankie Dottori leaves through his page-turning memoir, Leap of Faith, which is out now. Dick and Angel Strawbridge make us green with envy with their book, Living the Chateau Dream. And celebrity chef Marcus Waring has our tummies rumbling with his eighth recipe book, Marcus's Kitchen. So let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? She used winning the Great British Bake Off as an opportunity to Great British Take Off, and she hasn't looked back since. Her latest book, Nadia's Fast Flavours, is out tomorrow. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to witness the quickness of the utterly marvellous Nadia Hussein! Oh, <laughs> lovely Nadia! Hi! How are you? I'm all right. That was lovely. That did make me chuckle a little bit. <laughs> I'm very pleased. Dapper Davis, even how you should see the smile <laughs> on his face. Uh, another book, and as brilliant as all of the past ones as well. Nadia Nadia's Fast Flavours, 100 Easy Recipes for Maximum Taste with Minimum Effort. You see, that's the bit that we all like, the minimum effort. Yeah, listen, I, I love being in the kitchen. But for me, one of the things that's always really important when I'm cooking is just, I don't want to do the washing, like in, out, quickly, just kind of how can we get the best out of that kind of that time that I'm spending in the kitchen using as many, you know, using as few ingredients, but, we, you know, really well, using them really well and getting the best flavour out of them. Yeah, because uh, me and my wife. Hi, Nadia. It's Ricky here. Hi. Hi. Oh, oh sorry. So thank you. Once I did get in touch with you over Twitter and asked you for a, uh, a recipe for something and you came straight back to me. Oh. Yeah. Helped me out big <laughs> time. Because she's a lovely lady. I think it was, I think it was chocolate brownies. 
might have it been, might have been yeah it might have been lemon drizzle no it's chocolate brownies uh but uh, me and grace the best time we spend together is in the kitchen and uh we love it and we've been not living at our house because we've i mean done it for ages yeah. and it's one thing we didn't think we'd miss but we really miss it and it really brings us together and that's yeah. what cooking's all about isn't it yeah absolutely i think especially over the last sort of 18 months two years We've, you know, I spend so much time in the kitchen, but, you know, having the kids in the kitchen, like we spend most of it, it's like, it's definitely the heart of our home. And we spend a lot of time doing so. And don't get me wrong, I love being in the kitchen alone, but it's lovely when they get involved. And for me, you know, if there's somebody doing the dishes, that's even better. Yeah. Right? It comes down to the dishes with you, Nadia. <laughs> Every time I hate doing dishes. You should get laundry a any day, no dishes. <laughs> you do the laundry? I love do doing you, the laundry. Do you like ironing? I do, but I've got my kids ironing now, so I don't know. I haven't ironed for about three years. I haven't ironed for about three years. She's good, isn't she? You what? You've got your kids doing the ironing. Yeah, they they don't they don't have a choice to be honest. They I should say they don't mind, but they they don't have a choice. This should be our next book. (laughs) How to get your kids to do stuff that they don't do anywhere else? Just breed workers. (laughs) But I see this cook. Going back to your cookbook, not just your ironing book, which is in the future, but your cookbook. You know, there's some and people say they're cheats, but you don't like to use the word cheats, do you? Because with your mac and cheese, there's cheese puff crisps on the top. Yeah, it's not I mean, cheats. I think, no, I think you know, and if you, people want to use the word cheats, go right ahead. But for me, it's you know, like it's about cooking using things that wouldn't normally look like an ingredient. Like to me, cheese puffs are an ingredient. You know, Weetabix is an ingredient. Uh, crisps are an ingredient and so for me it's about kind of taking stuff that you have at home already and and yes if you want to call it cheating absolutely do that but you know for me it's about using what you've already got at home and creating amazing flavor amazing texture and sometimes something a little bit unusual and I love that element of when I make something um, I give it like I've got some recipes in there using Bombay mix um, and you know like and and you make these gorgeous veggie patties out of them and Mm. you know like it's about taking something that lots of people wouldn't know is an ingredient and saying what do you what do you think's in there? And I love that. I love the reaction I get from my family when they're like, you never did that. And I'm like, I did. And they love it. Well, Nadia, I'm just about to tuck into something that you've sent us. Uh, yes. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a biscuit. came in a little box, like a little yep. cookie coffin. And, yeah, I'm so- about, <laughs> and I'm about to have one. And what, what's, the, what's this, Gabby? It's where well, you've got lemon basil shortbread. Now, people might not necessarily think of basil as a sweet thing, would, would no, they? I think... No, I think lots of people think herbs are for savoury dishes, but, you know, parsley, you can use um, basil. You can use so many kind of, I I mean, I wouldn't go as far as putting chives. I wouldn't put chives in something sweet. That might be a step too far even for me. But, you know, herbs can be used in sweet dishes too. What do you think, Ricky? Are you having a go? Ricky? It's like floating down a river of dreams on a raft of lemons. Oh, my word. Aussie Jane is tasting it too. Aussie Jane. Oh my goodness me. Before Nadia came on, I was speaking with her and I said, your aubergine dish last time was the best thing I've ever eaten. And she said, well, these biscuits will be the best biscuits you've ever eaten. And they are incredible. The basil is unexpected. Jane, 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 should we say they're really bad? Then we can have more. (laughs) (laughs) You're onto something. What do you reckon, Sophia? I think they're lovely. The Mm. the basil is very delicate, but Mm. beautifully complements the lemon. It's it's a lovely I little think treat you've won morning. them over, Nadia. Yeah, well, you've got that lovely kind of tart raspberry and white chocolate in the middle, so it mm. kind of works. But, you know, it, this book is all about kind of, do you ever walk in um, on a night and say, do you know what, I really fancy something a little bit cheesy or something spicy or something yes. sweet. Yes. Well, that's like, that's what the book is all about. It's Perfect. about you kind of coming in, you've got these 
amazing chapters where you can come in and say, you know, what, I fancy something a bit cheesy and there's an entire cheesy chapter. So, you oh, know. Oh, it's just perfect. It's- and now Jack, who's been working on the show for three days. This is day three for yeah, Lovely tr- Jack. he's still trying to get in the good books. He's made <laughs> masala on the go buns and yep. he's even done a gluten-free one for me, which just love. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Thanks Jack. Jack. There we go. There we right, go. we're going to all taste this now. So this is... This is incredibly unexpected. So this has got uh, red onion, finely chopped, mm. teaspoon of salt, unsliced uh, burger buns, ketchup, um, teaspoon of dried chilli, teaspoon of cumin seeds, uh, four medium eggs and some grated cheddar cheese. Right, we're going yeah. to be going in. I'm I'd actually like to know going what's in. in. It. Uh, there's a little surprise in the middle. Is there yeah. a surprise? A little in filling. Like a toy, like a kinder. And they're still warm. Oh, they're warm and... Oh, right, OK. This is your recipe. Mm. Oh, my word. Yeah. It's, and, and you know what? It's about having fun in the kitchen. And these are so simple because you literally just stick a little hole in the bun, pour in your egg, stick them in the oven, and they're literally on the go. These are the kind of things that I would make if we're going somewhere, pack them up, take them with, with us, and then, you know, you just, you've got delicious breakfast on the go. But, you know, equally, it's fun. It's stuff that gets the kids in the kitchen. To be honest, it gets my husband in the kitchen, which that in itself is tricky because he does not do kitchen. The thing about you, Nadia, and, you, and I've said this to your face many times, but yeah. you want to you want to change the world for the for good and for the better. And so everything that you do with your mental health campaigning and with your mm. cooking and with your honesty is really powerful. So please carry on being as powerful and doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Keep making his biscuits as well. Thank you so much, Nadia. Congratulations on your new book and your new show. It starts on the 11th. So Nadia's Fast Flavours. Have a wonderful day, you lovely woman. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you. you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Seeing our next guest live is a sight to behold. And next year, you can behold it. Because Reef's new (laughs) single, Shoot Me Your Race, is out today. And we have an exclusive play. Get ready to have your face melted off by a man with vocal vocal cords sent from the heavens above. It's the one and only Gary Stringer! Gary! Welcome, Gary! Good morning, one and all. Oh, Oh. you sound up with a luck. Do you get up early every day? Yeah, around about 5am, do me yoga, do a few, uh, you know, press-ups, and uh, I'm ready for the day. Bit of surfing. Bit of surfing, my friend. Why the devil not? Exactly. So, you got a new song coming out. Sounds fantastic. I've heard it. (laughs) The public, the nation has not heard it. What What are they in for? Well, man, it's a rock and roll treat, I would suggest. I say that too. We've been uh, playing it three, four, five times opening up in these festivals this summer. Yeah. And it seems to be connecting with everyone real quick. So, yeah, it's a rock and roll song. If you like you uh, boogie, get your hips moving, you want a headbang, this is a song for you. You lads always seem to be enjoying yourself, and I'm always jealous of that. I see you at a festival and you're hanging out and you, you're always smiling. They were great at Carfest. I loved you at Carfest. They, they come out of their porter oh, cabin. Thank you. Not like us, we're always hiding in our porter cabin, being <laughs> miserable. But you lot, you're always having a good time, and I'm well jealous of that. What's the secret? Topping up the tan, Ricky. Topping up the Topping tan. Topping up the tan. But what is the secret to like staying happy in a band? <laughs> Well, I think water's got a lot to do with it. Get in the water whenever we can. We did a show down in Portsmouth, had a little dip in the sea. Yeah. But the thing with us at the moment, and uh, I don't want to sound too big-headed, but it's just we're on fire musically. We've got like mm. a lineup that's uh, second to none. But Luke Bullen coming on the drums, Andy Taylor playing the guitar with Jesse Wood, yeah, and big old Wookie Jack Besson yeah. rocking out on the bass. We've done this album in a few days, and uh, none of the bass was overdubbed. 
all live, totally live in yeah. the room. So it's um, it's really exciting at the moment. It feels good and I can't wait. I mean, April seems like miles away, doesn't it, to go on tour? It does. The oh, tour. It's going to go like that, I'm honestly. You, I'm glad you mentioned the tour because it segues me into that. So your your 2022 Shoot Me Shoot Me Your Ace tour kicks off in Newcastle University on April the 7th, 2022. So prepping for that, you won't start prepping yet, will you? Yeah, like I said, do a few star jumps, a few yeah. press-ups. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> Hydrate. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, coffee this morning, my friend. Coffee this morning. Yeah, coffee this morning. It seems to me, though, that you, what I'm grasping from you is that the secret to being in a great band and staying happy is just don't worry about anything. Don't let anything no, worry. It's not worth worrying about stuff. That's what you do if you have a real job, isn't it, Ricky? You know? Exactly. Don't worry about anything and stay true to yourself. And you, you lads have always stayed true to yourselves, haven't you? Yeah, you've got to. I mean, if you start putting on, um, I don't know, a metaphorical wig, you're going to come unstuck, aren't you? You know, exactly. Some Someone, point, someone's going to so, knock it off. Someone's going to knock it off, man. And you don't want to be dealing with all that faff. Imagine, you know, you're getting ready for a show and you've got to get into a zone where you're being someone else. That wouldn't be too cool. And, you know, I quite like me. I'm all right. And um, <laughs> I certainly like me brothers in the band. And it's just super great to be playing with them. And I love it. I can't wait for the, you to play the song just because... I want to share it. We've been sat on this for, you know, lockdown. It's been yeah. a long while. And um, we did it in like three days, the whole the whole record. And and now we got to sit and wait for so long to release it. It's um, it's exciting to finally be playing it. And thank you, guys. Yeah. Oh, exactly. do you know what? I honestly mean this. I think people need to be more Gary. Yeah. People, be more <laughs> Gary. That's what we all no, need around no, us. He's already taken. Be yourself. That's what his message is. No, but that's no, but just like he, like you, Gary. We should all carry that around and be more You're like right. you. You're right because I go home after spending too much time with the band and I moan about them. Right? <laughs> and I go, oh, bloody don't be delighted you said that. Peanuts than this. Simon said that, and then Grace says, "Well, if you're so annoyed at them, why don't you just leave?" And I go, "Because I love them." There we go. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot well, of that around, though, isn't there? Yeah. You know, I've got to have someone to vent to. I can't do it on the radio. Oh, I just did. <laughs> I love that in in um, your hiatus, those seven years. That I I love that you just did stuff and you just you took the kids to school. You got up at three o'clock in the morning. You played your guitar. You just you just went. You rode with it. You just sort of rolled. Yeah, with I, it. I had to kind of learn to play the guitar. I wasn't very good at the guitar. I'm not not great on it still, but I used it to write um, and enjoyed that. Made three records with Jack. So me and Jack kept hanging out during that time. Um, Jack Besson, the bass player in Reef. Um, we made, you know, two Stringer Besson records, one acoustic, one with a great band, super talented, and uh, one sort of hard rock uh, Them Is Me record, which was uh, like knucklehead fun. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I just love making music. And even if you think you can stop, I don't know what you feel about this, Ricky, mm-hmm. it kind of creeps back. And that's, oh, I know. that's what the thing in the kitchen was. It was, you'd be up at 3 a.m., everyone else in the house is asleep, and, 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 Suddenly you're, you're humming, you're writing down yeah. a lyric, That's thinking so I want to yeah, you know, work out what to do with this feeling inside of me. It's exactly that point when you decide to take a load of time off that it starts happening. You start dreaming of songs and waking up and singing them in your phone and stuff like that. That's exactly what happens. But I can't wait to see you, and I, I, I'm sure people out there can't wait to see you, and they can uh, get the full listings of where you're playing at areefthebandcom forward slash live. And that's uh, the Shoot Me Your Ace tour. It sounds ace. Yeah, it's a blessing for us, man. We feel real happy at the moment and it feels, you know, great to be playing some rock music. You yeah. carry on spreading your happiness. I've tried to retire twice. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. 
don't. And and certainly you either. Uh, Gary, send everybody in the band our love. And just as I said, everybody needs to be more Gary. <laughs> Thank you so much, my lovely. Thank you, Gary. Nice one, Ricky. Gabby, cheers. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. A national lockdown saw our next guest rummaging through his pantry for ingredients, and the results are quite frankly delicious. His new book, Marcus's Kitchen, is out now, so please welcome a man that can slice, dice, chop, and mince with the best of them. It's Marcus Waring! Hooray! Welcome, Marcus. Hello. Your eighth book has me salivating and makes me very happy, Marcus. I'm very happy. Well, great to be here. Thank you. Yes, it's... Uh, it's uh, my last project, my biggest sort of so far, and uh, a very different book as well. It is so mm. different from all of your others yeah. because this is incredibly personal. The family are in it. Are they happy to be in it? They, they didn't have no. We well, had no choice. They were all locked in with me, so it was either they either ate or they didn't. So we all went. Well, we all went along with the flow of everything. And um, but it was an interesting time because we did this in lockdown, uh, and things changed. You know, the shopping. We shop every day. Lockdown. Yeah. We shopped once a week, so we had to do meal planning. And I've got some, you know, two sons and a daughter, two cats and a dog. And, you know, it was, you know, some big planning had to go on in our house because it, it's three meals a day. And I don't normally eat three meals a day. I'm normally a one meal a day man when I'm out and about working. And so having three meals and working towards that and planning the shopping was really, really interesting. But also I was, I was like pacing my days around I, that. Yes. But suddenly food became the very important. Yes. Like, you know, I'd, we'd also be having dinner about 5.30. Get it done quickly. Get it done. Get it done. And then, you know, then we'd go to bed at like 8. Did you have <laughs> jobs for each other? Because if you and Grace did this, I don't know. Because Marcus, in your family, each of you, you gave yep. them each a job to oh, do. Yes. Yeah, we had we had a night scene where my Jess, my daughter Jessie and Archie would do a restaurant set up. They would do three-course meal. Really? So we'd have We'd have Chinese night, Indian night, fish night. We'd have uh, rustic nights. And we'd, we would try to make things interesting. So meal planning was always quite interesting. And then there were times and where the, the sort of the book idea, I was thinking about the book before lockdown. So with, with us being locked in, I just go into the kitchen. You know, the family always says to you, there's nothing in the fridge. Yeah. Yes. You've just done a huge shop. You know, you've, you've eaten a bit of it and there's nothing in the Sounds fridge. Like and it's like, my yeah. husband what is kids? wrong with you? Yeah, there's there's the... stuff in the fridge. You just have to work yeah. to make it something to eat. So I'd go off piece from time to time, yeah. go in the fridge and just cook a meal. And that was when my wife and family would all be in the kitchen and we started taking notes because my wife is obsessed with me just doing things and not explaining it. Because for me, cooking is something that you just do. I don't follow recipes. I just do it. So she started taking notes and tidbits. And she knows this anyway because she's, we've been cooking together for years. But as we started writing them down these recipes started to come to life as i was cooking them so normally you'd write the recipe and go in the kitchen and cook it we did it the other way around See, that's why i love it we, we, we and that's why this book is so true to home cookery because it is of the moment but it's and it's like i said it's so personal yeah but i would be terrified in the nicest possible way if you and my dad and i've got to do a three-course meal for you Hello. i mean you're marcus, marcus wearing yeah but you don't know my daughter Oh, why? <laughs> oh, she's feisty. She loves is her she? cook. My kids love to cook. I think one of the most important things in life is to get kids involved in the kitchen. Yeah. They may not want to eat food. People say, oh, my, my kids are fussy eaters, the this, that, and all the rest. I think it has a lot to do with parents maybe don't bring their kitchens into their, their children into the kitchen. Bring them in, invite them in, have fun, taste a bit. Get them involved, get them chopping, get them cooking. And so, surely... But, so, so, 
Shortly yeah. but surely? Slowly? Shortly short, short but surely. Yeah, I'm Shirley. Short, yeah. short, 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 short. Too much coffee this morning. Short Shirley. Short Shirley. Uh, and also, the interesting thing is it's like things you find in the cupboard, but it's not ridiculous. Like some books I get, and then the ingredients are like, you know, saf- Malaysian saffron and something like that. And I'm going, well, I don't know how to get it. But you can you can work with this book with basic mm. ingredients, can't you? It is funny about when you go, when you don't hang out in your own kitchen that often because you're always at work, and then you're in lockdown and you go into the cupboards and you find some weird things in oh, yeah. cupboards. You're doing, where, where, who? bought this why did you buy if this? i'd have written this book it would have been recipes without a date pop tarts and those peas you find at the bottom of the freezer <laughs> i don't uh, think we've i've been buying that yeah, yeah. we've all got that even i've got those peas in the bottom of the freezer there's a name for them you know what, uh, what are they called escapees oh, oh please good, he did good, that good, good, so good. we were talking about the nerves of your uh daughter and she obviously doesn't no. have any no uh, but uh ozzy jane who works on this show yes she's hiding because she has made, yeah. she's made your chocolate mousse recipe that is actually in this book. And you are going to be tasting your own recipe. I thought that when I walked in, I saw this chocolate thing on the, on the bench with these, these lovely looking raspberries, which I, I look at this time of the year and think completely out of season. They shouldn't be in this dish. Uh, um, well, anyway, I, should, I, won't, well, right, I know no. it's, it's raspberries <laughs> it's, and it's, it's not. It's like coming on and if, if Jimmy Carr was on, coming on and telling a, one of his jokes to him. No, well, <laughs> so the recipe is dark chocolate, mm. runny honey, mm. double cream, vanilla extract, and two separated eggs. Mm. Okay. This is my daughter's recipe, by the way. Oh, and Marcus and did, went in first. And this is it's a, it's it's very light. It's it's not as he, it's not as dark as it should be. But it says to me the measurements are not quite right. It's normally a much richer than this and set a little bit more. And I don't know if this was made today or yesterday. No, she made it yesterday. Then it should be a lot firmer. I think so, oh, I think someone's been messing around I've with the recipe. I've never seen. So she's still smiling. She's still in there. <laughs> she is a precious like smiley it. But, soul. But I, I like it. I, having said that, and I'm not stopping. I'm lactose intolerant, but I'm not stopping. I don't and care. You, and and there's not a lot of sugar in it, and that's what we did mm. with, with some of our um, our puddings in the book. We took sugar out of it and let the, let the ingredients speak for themselves. Honey, so just, it's honey, just a little bit yeah. of honey rather than sugar. And so maybe I think just a little bit more chocolate, and I think you just. You'd be there. It is delicious. Find it, out. Good. Uh, right. it's, it's supposed to be a little bit darker, but right. she, she, she'll go through to the next round. Oh, she's gone! You're through. Oh, You're through. Marcus Waring, thank you. What well, a thanks, joy. Marcus. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Both literally and metaphorically, our next guest has been on the horse, fallen off the horse and got back on the horse, and you can read all about it. His autobiography, Leap of Faith, is out on Thursday, so join us as we go giddy up, up, up and away with the one and only Frankie Dottori! Hurrah! Frankie Dottori! Listen to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Buongiorno! Buongiorno. Come stay. Sto molto bene, grazie. Oh, Frankie Dottori. Uh, congratulations on your book. It's very, I just said to you, to your face, it's so raw, it's so real. It's it's all those stories that we've all heard about, we've all read about, but this is actually from you. I want to say from the horse's mouth, but I'm not <laughs> going to say that. No, I'm not going to say that. But it's brilliant. Well, listen, um, my last one was, the, I did my last book in 2006, and a lot of things happened in my life this last 15 years, and... Um, you know, probably the man that he wanted to hear it all. And I guess now that I'm 50, uh, I'm not ashamed to say the things that I've done wrong or the experiences that I've passed through in my life. So, uh, you know, I, I put it all in there. And there's a lot of things in the book that people can relate to. Uh, you know, my childhood, I had tough parents and the mistakes that I made. But, you know, so I, I think when, when, when you do 
came to my, my, my life story, you can, you know, there's a lot of things in there that people can relate to. That's, the, that's, uh, the, the thing that struck me, I was, I was reading it, and there's one line in it that I really relate to, which is, why shouldn't it be me? And I, I, I really relate to that because it was one of those things where everything's happening and everyone's becoming something and everyone's telling you it can't happen to you. And you thought, well, why shouldn't it happen to me? Yeah, absolutely you gotta you gotta you know you gotta you gotta believe in yourself mm. and uh and that's how you uh, that's how the dream starts really mm. in in everyone's life you know you gotta you gotta have a a, a positive you know look in life and 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 grab the chances when they come you know and yeah but when you're uh, to do what you did and to leave your country to leave your home and come here at such a young age you're 14 to come over here and and to believe in yourself and to do that it's there's quite a fire in your belly to well, do that well i'll be honest you know, I, I i i'm basically having tough parents really my 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 dad kicked me out of the house when i was 14 i not no it wasn't my choice i know and uh, and you have to adapt i came to a foreign country um but i couldn't speak any english if it's not so great still and uh, obviously the 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 culture, the weather, the food, and uh, it was it was tough. But you have to, you, you, when you buy yourself, you have to grow up quick. And it was difficult, you know. I was, you know, I was I was a foreigner. I was bullied, and so. But you have to keep your head down, and uh, something inside you comes out. It makes you strong. Yeah, yeah but that's you, great. But you, do, but there's not a lot of people that can cope with that, and you did, and you carried on. And there are l- many people that just couldn't. They would fall by the wayside. I couldn't know what else to compare myself to, but well, no, so- apart from Paddington Bear, yeah. you did compare yourself to Paddington Bear. Yeah. <laughs> just dropped off in a strange country with the label around you. But, but I, had to, I had to say something, absolutely. And uh, you know, looking back, you, you know, it was it was tough, but uh, I, I I dealt with it, and it was difficult, and it, it made me what I am now. But also it carried on. I, I, I mean, the, the the tough times have carried on throughout, but also these extraordinary wins. And I, you know, the, to have won as many things as you've won, where on, what is it? Uh, this is a really strange question to, to ask, but a lot of people at the end of a race, whatever the sport is, whatever it is, people say, oh, how does it feel when you won? Which always frustrates me because probably it feels the greatest moment of your life. But to keep doing that great moment again and again and again, where does that fire keep coming from? I'll be from? honest with you, I, I'm a sort of person that I never look behind, I look forward. Uh, you know, I've got a house full of trophies, but to me, they're just uh, an object. It, 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 okay, I've, I can go back and re- remember the things that I've done, but I always try to look forward to the next one. Uh, and and that's that. You know, you know what's past is past, and and uh, the the love of my sport. I love what I do. You know, I'm very lucky. I get up in the morning. I do what I love. I you know, I ride this beautiful creature. I go 40 miles an hour and compete with other people, and I've got you know. Crowd shouting my name. I'm like, well, oh, well, what, what more do you want in life? It's fantastic. And also get paid as well. I mean, it's great. I mean, I'm very lucky. I'm blessed. And uh, that's, that's what keeps me going. I don't want to let go. Unfortunately, it will come the day that I have to let go. But at the moment, I have, I have no, no reason to stop because I love it so much. So it's all about the next one. From the moment you leap off the horse. Absolutely. The the race, you're, you're, when your feet, land, feet hit the ground, you're thinking about the but next one. But you're not going to dwell on your last uh, song. You always try to, to write an another one, don't you? Of course. It's good. Favorite, your favourite one is just around the corner. Exactly. So you got to keep keep, exactly. keep going. That's what keeps you going. I love it. But the competitive thing—it's that that drive to compete all the time. I think that's 
is something inside people. Uh, <laughs> you know, I you know, I probably won't be as competitive playing you know Monopoly with my kids than I am when I'm on, I'm on horse and race with somebody oh, else. I don't, somehow I don't <laughs> no, believe I don't you. Me, I don't me, believe me you. Me and Gabby were talking about this and she's not competitive at all, which no. I can't understand because uh, everything's a competition. Yeah, absolutely. Literally. Everything in my life. Getting up in the morning, yeah, I was up before you. <laughs> <laughs> Going to bed at night, I fell asleep before you, Grace. <laughs> but there's also in the book you talk about the plane crash, which I remember we all saw the news, we all saw the pictures. It's been written about before, but this is actually, you I mean, know, your depth. memories and yes. your honesty, and it's a, it's a, it's a tough read. But listen, for for many years I tried to put it in the back of my mind. I mean, it was a trauma. I, you know, I lost my pilot, I nearly died twice. I mean, I died. I nearly died when when we crashed, and then if it wasn't for my good friend Ray Cochrane, would would drag me out of the wreckage, and the plane exploded. So I was lucky twice. And but you know when you go through a trauma like that in life, you try to put it in the back of your head because you know it's hard, it's, you know it's hard to deal with. But you know it's been twenty years now, and uh, you know it's it's still there. So w- when I was writing the book, I remember the, the 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 passage and the trauma and the experience in the past. And you know it's qu- even even to me reliving it was quite difficult. Yeah, of and, course. But it was you know I but I. I put it in the book as best I could, and uh, I'm lucky that I'm still here. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. They went toe-to-toe with a derelict chateau and emerged victorious. And lucky for you, they've written it all down. The new book, Living the Chateau Dream, is out today. So, as they join us live from French France, please welcome the incredibly bon, Dick and Angel Strawbridge! Oh, Dick, good morning! Oh, yeah! Oh, wow! I've ran for four enough a day. Thanks for the introduction. He nearly got it right. (laughs) (laughs) How, how How are you doing? Dick and Angel. Come in, Dick and Angel. We're really well, thank you. Thank you. And how's things over there in France? Are you there now? Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's we lovely are. and sunny. Oh, it's gorgeous. Know. We are in Dick's office. <laughs> oh, you lucky things. I can picture it now. Dick's office. You're not in your um, your crafting room, Angel? No, no. We we not got great internet up there, actually. So we oh. are in um, Dick's wonderfully chaotic, but very organised um, um, office where all the some of the magic happens. Well, I mean, don't let Angela do this room. This has not been done over by Angela yet. Uh, is it not? Not good in internet up there. You think Dick with his cherry picker could send a line up there? I know. I have done. I just haven't told her the code. <laughs> I'm sure they can. You can find some uh, coat hangers and something, and to do it with it. So, Dick and Angel, Dick and Angel. Uh, I watched far too much of your show during lockdown. I got into trouble for it. And thank you for bringing that book because I can do that under the covers at night. Because. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, oh, I, I threw myself into it. It was perfect viewing for lockdown because you two just get on with it, don't you? Everything you, you make your own jam, you, you fix your own houses, you decorate themselves. You, you, uh, Angels changed it into basically the, the Strawbridge Museum, which I think everyone should do with their houses. You personalised everything and it's marvellous to watch. Thank you very much. What a great show and was it a joy to make? Is it a joy to make? Oh, well, thank, thanks for your lovely words. Um, yeah, it's lovely to make, definitely. I mean, it's life. You know, to be fair, it's sort of weird. We're doing so much anyway. And I think it's quite fun because we have a, a massive crew out here of two people at any given time. <laughs> and um, and, they, and they're literally just sort of part of the family. And we just crack on. And it's and it's it's busy here because um, we've got the crew and we've got our chateau team who are, obviously for the past couple of years, we haven't been doing weddings because it, that's all stopped. And until we can hug, we don't do weddings. 
And so um, literally from our perspective, it's just, it's been manic, hasn't it? Yeah. And, and you know what's lovely is that the kids like enjoy doing everything. You know, you've just said about jam, but Arthur goes off now and makes his own jam in the summer. And for an eight year old, I mean, I, I didn't really, you know, do that until I met, I met Dick. <laughs> <laughs> the, what's so wonderful about the book is it's this conversation between the two of you. So, <laughs> I, which is lovely. And I love the way that you've done it like that. But we get a real insight into you because obviously we know so much about you from watching the shows. But I love, you know, there's a lovely bit in the book where you go to Northern Ireland and you spend time, your kids spend time with Gran and then you give us the pancake recipes that she makes. So it's a real, it's all join in book. My mum has made those pancakes forever. And, the, it, it, and it's, it's sort of part of the family growing up in the ritual and is to have granny standing at the stove making the pancakes is special. All the grandchildren, everybody's had that. And um, we have to share it because you don't, you can picture it, you can almost salivate a little bit. But when you make it, if you actually take that recipe and make it, you actually have the privilege of a little Northern Irish pancake for your breakfast. Oh, that and that's got to be good. Sounds marvellous. So I've got to thank you too, because what you've taught me about everything in, in doing up a house, whether it's the DIY or the decorating, is no fear. You just throw yourself into it. And at that point, I think that's the theory of DIY, isn't it? You've just got to do it. Because I will look at a plaster wall and won't put a picture on it for two years because I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> and then, But as soon as you start, you can't stop, can you? Because it's, it's all about throwing yourself into it. It, it is. And um, I mean, we've got a bit of a strap line giving it a go. Mm. Um, but, you know, when you, when you break all of the um, any tasks down, it doesn't become daunting. That's the thing. And normally the hardest thing is just honestly just to get started. Yeah. But it's fair to say there are artisans and skilled people who oh, are yeah. so much better at every aspect of it <laughs> than us. But that doesn't stop you. No. The, the, the thing is, when it comes to starting a job and having a go at it, you know, the pride. All right. If it's a bit wonky, if you've done it, it's yours. Um, that, that's it. Arthur's got a bit of a, a saying now that to celebrate imperfections, because, you know, we're, what we're trying to teach them is if you give it a go and it's not perfect, it doesn't matter. Because as Dick said, you've just got this sort of glowing satisfaction um, that you that you like w- wouldn't have if you got, you know, got it done elsewhere. It's, it's all about you in that case, isn't it? And you talk about starting a job as a house a bit, but do you ever finish a chateau? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I, we, I, we don't know yet. Yeah, <laughs> we, we are going to have done everything once mm. at some stage. At some stage. <laughs> and, and, and doing everything once is a really good starting point. I tried to make the rule that Angela wasn't allowed to do anything for a second time until everything was done once. And that, that didn't survive contact with the enemy. I was, I was a bit na- naughty. Um, and when Dick would go away, because uh, he was very strict about this rule, so when he would go away to work or do a talk or something, I'd like repaint a room. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show podcast with Sky. You can listen every week from wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from the show.